Hello, this is Aaron Bounds, pastor of the Anchor Church located in Zanesville, Ohio. I want to say thanks for tuning in today. I hope this podcast inspires you, encourages you, and helps you to live the life God called you to live. Lord, we ask you to speak to our spirit today and speak to our heart today, oh Lord, for you are God of all things and we need you today. Amen. Put your hand over your heart like this and I want everyone to say, guard your heart. Would you do that? The Bible says, keep your heart with all diligence for out of it, for out of it come the issues of life. It's a, it's a place that God has required all of us to become stewards of our heart. We must guard it with everything that we have. What you watch and what you listen to goes into your heart. And it causes things to come out of your heart. They were, they were just hold your heart for a moment. They were... Um, Concerned because Jesus' disciples did not wash their hands when they were eating. And Jesus told the Pharisees, He said, It's not what goes in a man's mouth that defiles him, it's what comes out of his mouth. And what he was talking about was the things that go into the heart, not the things that go into the stomach. For out of your heart, the Bible says, your mouth speaketh. We, in the end time, we must guard our convictions. We must guard our spirit. We must guard our desires. How many know it's true? I want you to pray over your heart. God, give me wisdom. Lord, don't let my heart become worldly, carnal, dirty. Let my heart, oh God, be holy unto you. God, let me be a guardian of my heart. Job said, let me make a covenant with my eyes. Lord, I want to please you in all that I do. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. 2 Chronicles chapter 34. And I plan on this being the last of my preaching about Josiah for a while. Um, I asked those here in the 8.30 last week to bring a tool with you. Anybody bring? Anybody remember to bring any tools with you? All right. Brother Luke, what in the world do you have? What is it? Oh, okay. I heard you say fish. That's all I heard. I thought that's the weirdest tool I've ever heard of. Uh I saw somebody hold up a tape measure. Anybody else bring a screwdriver or something? I see tape measures. Uh, uh, what, what you got over there? A screwdriver. All right. Oh, man, my goodness. Anybody else? Oh, my lands. I'm staying away from Sister Connie. She's got a hammer. Uh, a paper clip. My goodness. Holds things together. That's the most convenient tool to bring to this morning service, I'm going to tell you right now. We love you, Sister Chwala. 2 Chronicles chapter 34, verse 1, Josiah was eight years old 
when he began to reign and he reigned in Jerusalem one and 30 years. He did that which was right in the sight of the Lord and walked in the ways of David his father and declined neither to the right hand nor to the left. It goes on down and says that, verse 4, and they break down the altars of Balaam in his presence. And, and um, it says, and they, and they made dust of the idols and they tore down, they cut down and the groves, you see in verse 4, and the groves and the carved images. What was a grove? It was trees. It was an area that was built to Baal. Uh, it could have been like um, uh, totem poles that had been set there. Trees also could have been grown there to the worship of Baal. He tore them down. It says he burnt the bones of the priest upon the altars and cleansed Judah and Jerusalem. Just like the man of God said he would 334 years before. He said there's going to come a, a man. His name's going to be Josiah. He's going to tear down what you build up. And he came. Everybody shout revival. I believe revival's here. I believe the enemy's been trying to change a bunch of things for a long time, but there's a Josiah generation. Somebody shout hallelujah. Amen. And so did he in the cities of Manasseh and Ephraim and Simeon, even unto Naphtali, and their mattocks round about, with their mattocks round about. And, and it says, when he had broken down those things, he returned he returned to Jerusalem. Verse 8, now in the 18th year of his reign, when he had purged the land, it says he cleansed, the, cleansed Judah and Jerusalem. He purged the land and the house. He sent Shaphan and, and the son of Azaliah and Manasseh, uh, Manasseh, the governor of the city, and Joah, the son of Johaz, the recorder, to repair the house of the Lord. Somebody shout, repair the house. And it says in verse 15, And Hilkiah answered and said to Shaphan the scribe, I have found the book of the law in the house of the Lord. I'd like to preach on it's time to clean the house. It's time to clean the house. Look at your neighbor and say, It's time to clean the house. Amen. Praise God. Praise God. Lift your hands. Ask the Lord to let his word speak into your spirit. Amen. We love you today, Lord Jesus. We thank you, oh God. Hallelujah. We thank you for your word. God bless you as you are seated. It's time to clean the house. It was, it was put inside of Josiah, which means Jehovah will bring healing. It was destiny inside of this man to restore. Restore Judah and Jerusalem back to what it should be because they had wandered away from the things of God. What used to be important, what used to be convictions are now just set aside and, and not used. The house of the Lord was dirty. The house of the Lord was broken. When I would travel, I would always... As an evangelist, I would preach in 40-plus churches a year, and I would go to the church, and I'd look in the baptismal tank. And many times, I went to churches, and when I looked in the baptismal tank, there wasn't any water in the tank. There was Christmas decorations, and, 
It was storage. It was just not used, Brother Fred. And it troubled me. And, and I realized right then this church needs revived. I'm just going to tell you, if you're here, we've got a clean baptismal tank, and it's warm. We'll baptize you before service is over. You've got to have expectations, expectations of, of greatness that are happening. But there were no expectations in the house of God. You look back at the way when Solomon built the temple, and this is that temple that he built. You will find that this beautiful temple, the edifice that he had built under the Lord, and the hundreds of thousands of sacrifices that were made at the altar to, to magnify God and to worship. And it was here that when they came in, that even the priests could not stand to minister by reason of the cloud because there was something in the house that was beyond just religiosity and, and ceremonial things. It was There was something that was there. Can I re take you back to even the tabernacle that was built, that God's glory set up on that place, that there was a visible presence of the Shekinah glory of God that was in the tabernacle, but there was also a glory of God that set over top of the tabernacle. It was a pillar of a cloud by day. It was a pillar of fire by night. It was a representation that God is here. Could I tell you if there's one thing we better have, we better have the presence of God in the house. If there's no move of God in the house, the building will not be of any really use to us. It will fade away in its value. We must have God's presence. Somebody shout the presence of God. Oh, how many want the glory of God to be in the house? Uh, we've got to feel his presence. You know what we need in the house? We need his miraculous power. We need his healing power. We need his conviction power. We need the holiness of his spirit. We need the Holy Ghost in the house. Amen. It's what brings value to the house. It was, it was what the children would talk about when they would get home. Mom and daddy are talking about what they felt in the house and what they saw in the house. And if we're not careful that if the glory is lost, I, I think about the night that the lights went out in Shiloh in 1 Samuel chapter 3 when they brought sin in the house. And the Bible says, and the lamp of God went out there was no visible glory in the house of God. And let me remind you that the lamp of God that burnt, the fire that was upon the lamp, was not started with a big lighter. It wasn't started with the, with the friction stick of, of old-fashioned ways of, of building a fire. The fire that was in the house of God was started by God himself. The Bible says in Leviticus 9 and 24 that the fire came out from before the Lord and it fell upon the altar. And he told the priest, he said, don't let it go out. Keep the fire burning. Every time they stood next to the altar and you could hear the crackling of the flames upon the altar, it was a sign that God is here with us to burn up what I'm giving him and to burn out what I don't need in my life. Come on, the Bible says that God is a consuming fire. And Jeremiah or John the Baptist declared it like this. He said, there's one coming after me who's mightier than I, whose shoes I'm not worthy to bear. He's going to baptize you with the Holy Ghost and fire. The 
there's got to be fire in your life. Amen, amen, amen. Can I say to you, we need fiery preachers. We need fiery praise teams. We need a fired up youth group. We need a church that's on fire. We do not need saints that are twice dead, plucked up by the roots, that's not moved by his word, that's not moved by his presence. You know what I made my mind up? I'm going to be a first responder. If he's moving, I'm responding. If he's moving, I'm going to praise him. Give me a church that has no power. I'll show you a church that young people fade away. Give me a church that has no power, and I'll show you families that will fade away. They'll fade away from convictions. They will fade away from the value of the house of the Lord. Somebody shout fire in the church. You may be seated. Sin creeped into the house of the priest and Hophni and Phinehas committed sin and whored them in the door of the tabernacle. And it's not long. It's not long until the altars were polluted and the lamp of God. Brother Nehemiah, how, how dangerous Brother Alec, how dangerous it is for the lamp to go out. Because when there's no lamp, there's no light. And if there's no light, there's nothing to illuminate. It's darkness now. And now if there's no light, the building is the same as any other building. It's, it's just another building. But what makes the church powerful is the illumination of his presence. The Bible says, in him, John 1, was life. And the life was the light of men. For the light shined in the darkness, but the darkness comprehended it not. Did he is the light. Walk in the light while you have the light, lest darkness comes upon you. I, I'm preaching to you today. We need the light of God. We need the presence of God. We need him. You know what got me started on this journey? It was a church service in the house of God. I was a boy, just a boy, just a little boy. And I, I was in kindergarten. I was, and, uh, I was approximately five, I, maybe a little bit, maybe four, but I do believe I was five. And I looked up and in, a, in a service. I, you know, all of the children are watching Mama, you know. They're watching Daddy, too. And uh, Cody, your boys, all three of them now are going to be watching you. He got three boys. God gave him three musketeers, amen. <laughs> Little warriors is what they are. And I was standing up there, and we had one of those old, good old-fashioned touch move of God. You know, when God's moving, children aren't playing. They're watching. They're, 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 you're, we're training them whether we realize it or not. We train our children how we respond. Whether you're intending to or not, you're training them to worship or not worship, to respond or not respond. And I looked up at my mom, and she was crying, a little bit of shaking. I, see, I, I watched. I was standing on this side of her. I was looking up to her, and I saw a tear run down her, was running down her face. And I pulled on her blouse, and I said, Mom, Mom, Mom. She said, yeah, yeah, Aaron. I said, why are you crying? She said, because I feel Jesus. I'll never forget it. I feel Jesus. You know what I did? I ran to the altar. Because I wanted to feel what she was feeling. We've got to have a church that the children can look at the parents and say, Mama, 
Why are you shaking? Why are your hands trembling? Why, why, why are you dancing? Why are you shouting? And the response should be because Jesus is in the house. And you need what I have. Amen. It's what's going to keep our families. It's what's going to keep our children. Is if we have a response. I know it sounds out of context, but in Isaiah, the Bible says when the pillars moved, the house was filled with a cloud. And there's something that happens when the, the settled saints, the pillars of the church, move when the glory is in the house. Is there anybody here that says, I want to move when God's moving. I want to respond. Amen. Hallelujah. Clap your hands and praise him. Where two or three are gathered together, my name, there I am in the midst of him, them. You may be seated and but somehow they got away from a move of God. Somehow they got to a place to where worldliness is now in the church. It's a dangerous place when worldliness gets in the church. Tolerance and acceptance that leads to participation and then there's no difference between the church congregation and the world between the church house and the moose lodge and just a gathering place and go to church and on Sunday night watch the Super Bowl on the big screen and have testimony services during the beer commercials if we're not careful we change the form of godliness into the form of man and Doing it our way instead of God's way. And until it's not, I'm just going to tell you, you can't build a holiness church without power. You can't build an apostolic church without the power of God. People don't come to church because, of, uh, 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 because they like the law or they like the standard of the word. They, they come, they're going to come to church and want to convert because of the power of God. I'm just going to tell you, our children aren't going to want to live the life that we teach them to live if they don't have the power of God in their life that will inspire them to live the way. Come on, I'm in this because God moved on me. I got an experience with God. We need an experience. Church isn't just a place where the law is read. We've got to have a move of his spirit. And Josiah understood now that how far God had put it in him. He had repentance even before he had truth, but there was something inside of him that said, I, I want it to be right. I, I want to change some things. I, I know that this way of Baal is not right. And so he started tearing down false images and started burning the, the things that were not like God. He took the machetes and, and took the mattocks and they went out and they tore down some things. And the Bible says he cleansed Judah. He cleansed Jerusalem. And then he said, we've got to get the house back where it's supposed to be. Let's take the money that's in the temple and let's repair the house. Let's, let's buy some hewn stone and let's buy some timber. And the Bible talks about he, they, they hired some help and they got the artificers in, in verse 11. What that means is, is engravers that, and people that could work with the detail. It would be, it would, it would be the, the ones that could do the trim, if you will, that could cut the angles and make it nice. And I'm going to tell you, when you start building the house and repairing the house, God always puts the right people in place. 
if your heart goes toward what God is wanting to do, God's going to send the help. It's just going to happen. Amen. All of a sudden, you, you look at Nehemiah, and I'm going to talk about that later, but uh, later in the message, you're going to hear some things coming up. God visited me yesterday or Friday in a very powerful way, and you'll hear that in the future when God allows me to preach it. But you'll look, and the Bible says that God gave the people a mind to work. Let me tell you, when God's going to do a revival, he's not just going to use a person. He's going to get a people involved and I, I'm glad to be a part of a church that wants a move of God that wants an old fashioned revival I'm glad to be a part of a people that wants the house of God to be what it's supposed to be and, and, uh, and he told him he said you, you got to get the house in order and, and uh, um, sister Connie would you lay your hammer up on the altar we, and uh, would you come and lay that hammer and, and Lay the hand, my land. Stay six feet from it now, you know. I'm just teasing. Come on up here. I've never wanted social distancing more in my life. Here, come over here and lay the hammer right here. Praise God. Amen. Somebody showed up with a hammer. Who has a screwdriver? Anybody have a screwdriver? Oh. Oh, Sister Angie. We love you. My, it's so good to see you. Can, can you lay that right there? Don't we love her? She's, she's such a wonderful lady. She is an absolute miracle. Lay, lay, that, lay that on the altar. And, and, and it wasn't long until people got a mind to work and they started repairing. And, and somebody's over here cleaning up and sweeping up the dust. They'd put the hewn stone in. They put the timbers. The Bible says the couplings. That's where it was joined together. And, and they started cleaning the house of God. They started repairing. They started repairing some things. can't have those little tiny dust pans. It's dirty here. It's been years since somebody gave the house of God attention. And it's amazing because when they started cleaning the house, started putting things in order, they started finding things that had been lost. Every year in November following Thanksgiving, I, I um, y'all remember the computers where you would defragment? Anybody remember computers you had to put defragment every now and then? Y'all remember that? And it put all the files back in order. Then your computer would run better. Uh, I sort of do that every year. And uh, how many remember the, the trash bins on the computers? You could put it there, and then a flame would come out of that trash bin and burn it up. Y'all remember that? You got to love creative people. Every year, this time of year, I, I minimize or minimalize stuff that belongs to me. In my office as well, in my home and in the garage, I... I go through every drawer in the house, I reorganize it, and uh, it's a good feeling. I go through the clothes that I haven't worn since, since the year before, and I give them to the clothes pantry or find somebody that could wear it, and I get rid of things that I don't use. And It's amazing, it's amazing how many things I find that I had bought again because I couldn't find it because... My world had become cluttered. Anybody relate with me? 
All you men in the building, you ever notice when you try to find a Phillips screwdriver, you can only find a flathead? Is that true or what? Then when you need a flathead, the only thing you find is a Phillips screwdriver? I don't know why that is, but it's just a fact. Yeah, you own, you own ten hammers, but you can't find one of them. It's because she has them, amen. <laughs> can't find a hammer anywhere. You go buy one because you need it. We used to fish with my dad's tools. His expensive crescent wrenches, we would tie a fishing line to and lay them out in the road at night. And when the headlights in that small community, people would drive down the road, they'd see that crescent wrench. It was so much fun because when they get out to grab that wrench, we'd jerk that fishing line and do like that. I remember one guy said, I know there's a hammer around here somewhere. <laughs> one time we did it with the wrong person. They started chasing us. You could hear that wrench going ding, 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 ding. We were running with that fishing pole. One guy knew what we were doing. He got out of his truck and he just said, put his foot on the fishing line. And I'd hear my dad say, what's happening to all my tools? My brother and I just say, but lost things in the house. I'm not talking about things that's been wasted. I'm talking about because our world has become cluttered with things. Lack of time to search through and find and put things back where they need to be. And what I'm preaching to you, if we're not careful, we will lose convictions. Because our life has been cluttered with unnecessary things. We, man, I feel like. Know you not that you are, your body is the temple of the living God. And if we're not careful, we'll find ourselves going to church but not feeling God. We've lost that. I've had people to tell me that your preaching doesn't move me anymore. It's somewhere a, a conviction for his word to respond. It's lost. Why? Because it's been placed somewhere else. Not that it's not there. It's just, it's just covered up somewhere. And something else has taken its place. Media and games and socialization and things that you've got away until your house has been cluttered and 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 you'll find in Luke 15 the Bible says that that when he was trying to explain why he was reaching for sinners and he, he told, talked about a lost sheep then he talked about a lost coin but the Bible says she had ten coins but she lost one of them and she was concerned because there was something valuable that was missing and I think all of us know in moments in our life that when things start are missing, I can't find it. I, I used to use this all the time. And Brother Nehemiah, you preached one time that, about uh, the house of prayer being turned to the uh, den of thieves. If we're, if we're not careful, we lose what the house was really all about. Could I tell you, God gave you a mouth. He gave you emotions that you're allowed to use with family and friends and work. But they were made primarily for him. My mouth was made to praise him. My heart was made emotionally to be moved upon him. Come on, I don't want to be like some of the people in Simon the leper's house. I don't want to be like some of them that can see him but not worship him. That can be in the same house but not respond to him. Lord, give me that passion like the woman with the alabaster box. This says if he's here, I'm going to praise him. I'm going to praise him. But here's the fact. They had lost things had lost what it was about and and uh, she said I've got to do something I've got to clean the house and you know what she did she started cleaning she started cleaning she started getting rid of things everybody say get rid of things that means get get rid of some things that's taking up your time 
I'm telling some of you in the building right now that haven't felt God for a while, that you haven't danced before the Lord in a long time, you haven't shouted. We could almost have had a shout down today in this service. I was ready for it, Brother Nehemiah. I was ready for it. But the reason we haven't is because we've got clutter in our life. we got clutter in our minds. We've got clutter in our heart. We've even got clutter in our home. You're trying to rebuy something that you already own. Trying to look for something that you already have. It's already there. You just got to clean the house. That's why he said in that day you'll have to fast. Why? Because fasting is a separate, separated thing. You're removing things from your house when you're fasting. I'm not just talking about food. I'm talking about stuff. I'm talking about pleasure. You're pushing it away from your life. Why? Because you want to make sure. Man, I feel this today. He said it this way. He said, I count it all dung. Paul said that I may win Christ. Everything I devalue that I may win him. And the Lord is bringing us back to old-fashioned convictions. You can't get convictions if you don't clean your house. I said you got to clean the house. Everybody, every now and then, I preach about green beans a while back, burnt green beans. I'm not going to reiterate it here today. I'm not going to tell the story, but what I'm saying is there's got to be a moment that you and your family, you turn every media outlet off. You turn it all off. The video games, the social media, you got to turn it off. Why? So you can get back and sweep some things out and make sure that you haven't lost some convictions, lost some desires for God, lost some passions for the house of God. Because here a little and there a little, we will fade away until it's not long. Our children are worshiping another God. Our families are worshiping. Our, our spouses have a desire to be somewhere else than in the presence of the Lord. Is there anybody in the building today that says, I want to fa- find, vi- find the viable things that have been lost in the house? Amen. I want to find the viable things. Let's stand to our feet. She can come and play the keyboard today. The Bible says, how are the mighty fallen? It's here a little and there a little. Saul didn't backslide. King Saul didn't backslide overnight. It was over a decade or two. Got away from the things that he used to be tender about. I don't want to lose my convictions. Holiness, righteousness, a pure mind. How many of you have ever minimalized or... Went and decluttered everything. You found five Phillips head screwdrivers. And six pry bars and you just bought one. Why? Everything was in haste and haste makes waste and shoved in a corner and you moved to something else and then moved on something else and moved to something else and you're so removed from what, where it should have been placed. Could I tell you? Don't lose it. If there's one thing that needs to be set apart that's not thrown in a corner, it's the law of God. It's the word of the Lord. All of us can become so busy if we're not careful with stuff. Stuff! It's just stuff. It's just stuff. It's it's stuff. It's Stuff is just filler. It's, it's not valuable. It's just filler. It's just stuff. It's the stuff that seems to be valuable at the moment, but it was just stuff. It, was, it had no value. And what's valuable seems to be lost. I'm going to tell you, you got to clean the house of God. 
clean the temple of the Lord until you find what's been lost. And after a period of time of repairing, removing, cleaning, the priest says to Shaphan, I found the word of the Lord. I found it. Somebody shout, I found it. Do you want the word to be shoved in the corner and this just become like the church that, I don't know if it was called Church's Chicken, but it was a church that started selling chicken dinners and went long until the church became known for chicken dinners and they no longer had a church service. If we're not careful, we will change our mission to propagate the gospel of Jesus Christ. I'm thankful for youth events and when we can have them now and I'm thankful for our, our, our events that we can do and things that we can go and fellowships and all of that. But you know what? That's not what this is about. The primary purpose of the house of God is to be in His presence and to hear from His Word. Clap your hands and say amen. I want to pray today. But I felt like God dealt with me just prior to service on something. The church must stay clean physically and spiritually. Not cluttered with busy tasks. Not cluttered with just stuff. I think it should look excellent. I think it should be swept off. And we got several people that clean and I talked about doing cleaning my office and paperwork and all that. Sister Cheryl, you were secretary many years. How many times I pulled that green trash can in there and got rid of all those papers that the United Pentecostal Church sends me and people send me and stuff I've been going through and records and go through them and clean out and reorganize. But can I say about the house of God, he talked about in Luke 15, he said there was a, a sheep that went astray he left the 99 and went after it. A lost sheep. Talked about a lost coin and then what? Thirdly about what? Prodigal son or a rebellious son. What do you do with the house when the rebellious or prodigal son is left? Can I tell you what can't happen is what happened to a man that I knew that went over to see overseas and while he's there, that while he is there overseas serving the family had passed away and, and uh, eventually came back home and when he came back home the house was sold and it was no longer his house it was no longer his neighborhood everything had changed when he was away at war when he came back I knew this man personally he talked about the devastating feeling that when he did return nothing was the same could I say to this church that we will experience lost sheep they wander away. We're going to experience moments of busyness and maybe some leadership things that will happen and coins will be lost. And we just got to clean up and find out and get rid of some stuff and find the coin and we'll find it. But, but what do you do? I'm going to tell you what we can't do while the prodigals are away. We can't let the house become cluttered. We can't let the house change to where when they respond and they come back to the house, they can't find the move of God. They can't find conviction preaching. They can't find caring saints. You know what they've got to come home to? They've got to come home to a calf that's been fed. 
to a robe that's been ironed, to shoes that's been shined, a ring that's been cleaned, and servants there that are so thankful to be there that when the prodigal comes home, You know what the prodigal was saying when he came to himself? If I could just get back to the Father, if I could just get back to the Father, if I could get back to the house of God, everything I need is going to be there. Somebody shout, we got to keep the house clean for the prodigal to return. I want you to lift your hands right now and love him. All over this building, Pastor Cody's going to come and give this altar call. Hallelujah. I want everybody in the building right now to reach out to the Lord. Search your heart today. Search your mind today. What about your heart? Pastor Cody, I want you to lead these people through repentance. Walk them through repentance here today. Come on, every person in the building, from our young people to our seniors, I don't want anything in my heart that's cluttered. you to find a place right now that you can pray. It can be in this altar. It can be at your seat. We're going to repent together right now. Lord, God, we repent, Lord, for the things that we have allowed, oh God, into our life. God, for the things, God, that we have given our time to, our precious time to, Lord. God, we, we ask you today to forgive us, Lord, for allowing the house to become cluttered for allowing our minds to become cluttered and consumed with things that do not matter, Lord. We ask for your forgiveness today, oh God. Oh God, we ask you to forgive us for wasting, oh Lord, the time you have given us, for wasting the talent and treasure you have given us. Oh God, we make a commitment to you again today to clean our house, to clean our spiritual temple, oh God. This is, oh God, our temple is a place where you dwell, oh Lord. Oh God, and we know that your word says that darkness has no fellowship with light and light no fellowship with darkness, God. We don't want there to be any dark things, oh God, that we have harbored in our heart and our spirit, oh Lord. We recommit ourselves to you today. We recommit ourselves to you today. Oh God, I'm asking you, oh Lord, to have mercy on us today. Have mercy on us today. Oh God, in the name of Jesus, would you pray right now? Would you reach out to God right now? His mercy and grace is in this room today. Come on, reach out to Him right now. Thanks again for listening to the Anchor Church Podcast. If you enjoyed it, make sure you subscribe so you can keep up on our weekly sermons. If you're in the Zanesville area, we invite you to join us on Sundays. You can find all the details on our website at theanchor.church. Again, thanks so much for listening, and we hope to see you soon.